look, if you want to survive here, you got to play by the rules of the park. Right. Number one, mm-hmm. do not touch anything that is not yours. Okay. Okay. And this That's is cool. very important. No, I get it. Tell Ooh, you why. There's a ball. No, what are you, <laughs> Phil? What are you doing? It was a ball, dude. I just said this, man. <clears throat> Excuse you. What's in your mouth right now? Uh, just a ball. Okay. It's actually really good. It's like a one of the blue chewy ones. Mm-hmm. It's still warm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is great. Do you taste anything familiar on that? Hold on. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, is that on the ball? Because yeah. that's my spit. No, it's yeah. It's spit, bro. That's a spit, it. bro. Thank you. I, she spit right in my face, so I now, really got that right off the bat. Why would my spit be on that ball? <sighs> I know. I know exactly why. Why would uh, it be there? I'm not sure. Is it? Is it your ball? Is that ding, it? Ding, 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 okay. ding, 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 watching this series. I wanted to start a little bit um, about casting, and I think uh, season one, episode four, uh, the episode with the dog park uh, would be an interesting place to start. You have a cast in that episode of like Kamel Nanjiani and Ellie Kemper and Lauren Lapkus and Aziz Ansari. I mean, that is a, I mean, that's like an HBO like half hour comedy. That's like a that's like a Netflix half hour comedy. And that's that's one episode of your show. And you're never gonna have all of those people back together, you know, again, most of the people that have that have been on animals have only been on, you know, one or a couple of episodes. How are you casting? What what are what what are you doing when you put together an episode like that? <laughs> Well, you know, it's a blessing and a curse in many ways. Uh, luckily, um, just a little behind the scenes of how animation works, it's super easy to do. People can come in really quickly. And even if it's a bit part on a live action TV show, you still kind of have to wake up early. You got to do makeup. You got to more or less learn your lines and stuff. So, for an animated show, they can read the script. They can, in, in our show too, it's just coming in and messing around off of some improvised outlines. Um, so that's a way how we get a lot of people. But I, I got off the topic. So 104 we'll talk about for that episode. What happens is Mike and I write the episodes. We have Angela, we have uh, Ronnie, we have the Aziz dog character that I forget the name of, Fluffy maybe or something like that. And then we have all of our other characters. So we think about each one of those storylines. So our A storyline is the Phil dog, Mike dog. We got that cast up. And then we think of this big, uh, you know, uh, matriarch of the park, bad guy, Angela character. And we want to record with actors who are going to be in the same scenes as one another in the same room as one another as much as possible. So for that one, we have our general ideas of who we want for it and who would be a great voice for it. And I think Chelsea Peretti, who ended up being the voice, was probably one or two definitely um, for us because we're huge fans of hers. And so we casted her first. And, you know, it's just, a normal process. Our people reach out to her people. And, um, you know, even by episode four, we had a pretty good Rolodex going with who we can send in that first email of people. And then we casted Rory Scovel as this, uh, her little henchman 
in that episode, and then Mike took another character in that episode, and then that's our main A storyline for that episode. We bang it out in a probably two to three hour recording session. That one was actually a long time ago, and we did it in our first apartment that we moved out in into LA and and just the four of us in a room with Bernie pads on the wall and talking into a bunch of boom mics that we later returned to uh, Guitar Center. Um, yeah, I think Molly Shannon, Molly Shannon even mentions about the Swan episode on the, one of the little background videos on HBO.com. She says something like, uh, we were sh- we were recording in this little apartment. I wasn't exactly sure what we were doing. <laughs> you know, it sounded like she, like, yeah. there was no, like, huge character sketches on the walls in some, you know, suburban office park, you know, type recording studio. Yeah, that was, uh, that was our first, when we first moved out here before uh, properly partnering up with HBO, let alone our uh, animation studio where we are now and that we've worked out of for the past three years, Starburns Industries. So, yeah, it was, uh, those, those beginning sessions were definitely uh, had a little, don't worry, <laughs> this is a thing that we're doing and hopefully Mark, uh, Duplass, our executive producer, I think he prepped them as well beforehand coming in. Like, it's a thing, it's the real thing. It's not just these, I don't know, frat house that you're walking into or something like that. So you you made this on the studio side first. This wasn't part of Mark and Jay's overall deal at HBO? Uh, it, it, if my memory serves me, it was before that deal was in place. And uh, yeah, we we made we made the animals episodes before that, and then worked out our deal with HBO. So that's interesting. When you have a show like this done, and you start going, or you know, even a few episodes, however far along you were, and you you go, and I mean, and just for context, this is on the lo-fi side of 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 animation. This is this is not Pixar. This is more the, the, the New Yorker style line drawings. I mean, HBO had to have been an interesting, a place you might not necessarily have thought of based on, on, on things they had done previously. I, I can't recall the last animated series HBO had done before this. Well, it's, it's funny the the, uh, the, the last one they did is a show called the life and times of Tim. And that's a show we really love. And, the creator of that, um, Steve Dildarian, actually does a bunch of voices in our season three episodes. But, you know, it's funny you say that because um, Phil and I, when we were making these shorts in New York, we, we both had a day job where we met at and we're making this on the side. And sort of from the beginning, when we started doing them as shorts, literally a minute long, we would do them monthly. Um, even at that early stage, we were really thinking of how can this grow into a show? We saw it as a fully formed, um, you know, series that, that could be a, a bigger, uh, you know, half hour show at some point. And so we were always thinking on that wavelength and, you know, the, the, the episodes always felt to us a little different than other animated shows. We made them differently. They just had a different texture to them. And so we always were like, God, this could wind up somewhere different where you wouldn't expect. And I swear, we, we really used to sit at bars and go, HBO, HBO sounds good for animals. 
And we used to imagine the logo next to the animal's logo. And it really was a thing that we we did really we secreted that. Right. We secreted it. And uh and then, you know, we were fortunate enough after coming out here and everything, uh, to get the opportunity. It 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 was it was nice that they were also the network that seemed to get it the best. So it all worked out really nicely. Yeah, and I think the the idea of us having episodes done already, it is a weird thing in general, but we knew we needed to make it to kind of explain it. Because on paper, our show is like, it's it's very hard to explain, and it's very odd, and it's very strange to get across those sort of lo-fi uh, things that uh, we find endearing. Well, it's an interesting... Um, uh approach to to do this very sort of lo-fi uh, uh type of animation where you have a lot more control over the, the the process of it i mean i i don't know exactly where you're involved in the animation and, and how much of it you're seeing as it goes but it's not the kind of show where you're basically sending it off to a studio and you know, Seattle or, or Sydney, Australia or wherever, and just getting back, you know, like clips every once in a while, you're, you're actually able to sort of touch the animation animation as you go. Can you talk a little bit about from the standpoint of after you have this audio, what, what, what you're doing next? Are you, you going into storyboards and then having an artist actually draw the panels or what happens next? Yeah, we go into uh, basically, hopefully by the, time we have the full radio play edited uh we've kind of talked to character design department as well as storyboard um but sometimes you know one of those is just ahead of the other and i kind of have to talk to storyboard about getting the look of the characters down and all that sort of stuff but yeah we just we start going slowly with the storyboard train where we have a thumbs pass, then we have a rough pass, then we have like an animatic pass basically where the thumbs pass, super rudimentary drawings, uh, and then we get a little bit more intricate with it. But you're right, you know, by the time we have our animatic of the episode finished, you know, that's like a lot of the animation that's going to be there. So we can actually have a pretty fully realized vision of the show pretty early on of what it's going to look like down the line. And if something's not working, we really can um, address it earlier on than later. I, I even think, you know, once Mike edits together the 22 to 26 radio play, like, we both kind of know the episode by that point where, especially now 30 episodes in, um, I think we know if it's working or know if the kinks aren't getting worked out of that. But yeah, storyboard is a three iteration process basically. And, you know, we're always breathing life into uh, episodes and stuff like that. I just found a, a funny video of us it must have been an almost final pass of the anime of the storyboard animation where a character exits the scene and it, we videotape all of these so our storyboard artists can, you know, look at the meetings later. And you just kind of see Mike and I going back and forth of like, Chompy like needs to leave and Mike's like a device. And I'm like, 
yeah, but I'd like to flip, but like for right now we need something. And I just hear Mike go, a chompter? <laughs> and I go, yes. She, Chompy leans forward and she's got a propeller that takes her out of the scene. And then I attach the final version of that to, uh, you know, what ended up in Friday's episode of Chompy leaning forward. And she just has a little propeller that takes her out of the scene. So it's a fun, like, fluid process that even in, when we're doing sound editing in the final, final scene, we can, we don't have lip sync, so we can kind of tweak lines here and there and, and do different sort of deliveries. The dialogue style is very particular. It's a very stylized dialogue that I feel like I don't see uh, as much on TV as I used to and, and don't see on TV as much. Uh, as I'd like to, it's, it's a little bit Duplass brothers, mumblecore sort of, you know, late nineties, early two thousands mumblecore. It's a little bit of, 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 of sort of Woody Allen comedy. Are there particular, it's a little bit of, uh, of, uh, a Justin Roiland and I know he's done, uh, some episodes. Are there particular things about the way these characters talk and the, the, the layering, uh, of the way they talk that, that, you got from a from a, a particular basket of influences it, from our shorts for sure you know it was mike and i uh talking into a laptop together so it was just that inherent um fluidity of the conversation and the natural stutters and the coughs and this and that was us two people recording into one track but it's also something we like, right? Like, yeah. we like that sort of... Uh, I'm trying to think of anything in the animated realm that we like that has that sort of vibe to it, you know? Uh, maybe Dr. Katz, uh, Dr. Katz a little bit of that? Yeah, Dr. Katz. I'm sure, like, the time with Tim actually had a similar vibe to that. Uh, just, just even, like, Armando Iannucci, whether it's, like, the thick of it or... I guess Veep came out after our show, didn't right, it? But... Yeah. Uh, yeah, just that sort of that that texture of a conversation is always fun to us. We don't, I don't really love hard cartoon voices either. That's just it's just my particular taste. I mean, I grew up on all that Nicktoon stuff, where it is that kind of stuff. But you know, for me, I, I don't really love that. You know, I like that kind of conversational stuff, and even movies-wise, you know, if it's. Uh, a little bit more natural, a little bit more uh, uh, before sunrise kind of trilogy. Like that's my that's my shit. I love that kind of stuff. So, are you ready for the party tonight? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I'm ready. You never get out of your house. I'm psyched for the. But what do you want from me? A cartwheel? No. Yeah, I just I think tiny you owe it to yourself to get out and do some social things. So I'm yeah. just happy you're coming out. I'm happy that you're happy that I'm here. Good. Okay, see, this is new. Is she lowering herself yeah. onto his face? She seems to be taking a seat on his face, which is... Well, it's so weird, because I've seen humans sit on things. Normally, it's stuff like the, like like the, the subway. subway or yeah. something. Or, or like, like chairs, benches, benches. Seats, yeah. just seats. seats. Seats in general. I've never seen someone seat on a face. I mean, it looks... I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's kind of... What? No, no, it's fine. Uh, what are you bringing to the party, by the way? Oh, um, I'm just, I found a cracker over there. I thought I'd, oh. you know, just right. something like everyone could kind of share. And yeah. Or, what about you? Are you bringing oh, anything? Oh, I'm bringing these guys. 
what are those? You have an interesting approach where the, the two of you are characters named Phil and Mike, but not really the same characters, or at least as far as I can tell, not the same uh, characters from, from episode to episode. You might be rats in one episode and birds in another, and but you're, you're always sort of Phil and Mike. Are, are, are they the same from, from episode to episode, or do you think about it that way? Um, no, I think we like to think of it like each species that we play offers um, uh, a you know, different dynamic that we can slip into. And that I think early on was part of the fun of imagining how we would frame the show in each episode and, you know, have this, this sort of continuing thing where Phil and Mike are the main characters. So there's sort of a a through line of spirit with characters maybe, but, um, you know, really they're, you know, in, in its more subtle ways, variations on the character. And then, you know, there are others that are just, completely different um and i think that's just a it's a fun way for us to slip into completely different characters and storylines and get to um you the know, episodic and the and the uh, serialized nature of the show kind of back and forth between them is is fun for for me well, the serialization is interesting, and one of the things I definitely uh, was was most interested in, in in asking about watching a lot of these episodes, you know, post election, is that this is one of I'd say a handful of shows that I've noticed over the last year that are almost accidentally post Trump uh, TV shows. You've got all of this human chaos going on in the background that the animals are oblivious to in in kind of an almost aspirational way. I can I almost watch the show thinking like, God, I wish I was as unaware of what's going on in the other world as these animals are. Can you talk a little bit about what what is happening in the real world of the show and and why the animals are are, are oblivious to it? <laughs> They, well, you know, it only it started in season one where we had our mayor character, season two with this Dexter Labcoat character, season three is this, you know, government-based sort of characters. And it was the amalgam of our show being episodic and serialized. We knew we wanted a light thread throughout the seasons that were um, – human-based, non-speaking storylines to just kind of reward people who tune into every episode um, and to make the show not just an anthology series. But I, I, I guess, you know, initially when we um, started making the show, like what was interesting to us is just the idea of New York City and the animals that live there are living in the least habitable place for animals in the world, you know, from top to bottom, it's just all concrete and it's all made for humans to exist in. So uh, that sort of desert island feeling of them having their own lives was how we've always had the POV of the show of like, let's focus, let's zoom into the nooks and the crannies and tell big fun, you know, roaches trying to escape an apartment that's getting uh uh exterminated but it's lightly tied into this storyline is uh just 
just fun for us to kind of kind of do. And and now with season three, uh, just yeah, I guess it's always things uh, you have different colored glasses with the world that's happened. The real world, our IRL, uh, just gives it a different sort of look. But it was something that we kind of were building to at the end of season two and just ended up happening in a natural progression. And the humans never speak in a way that we can understand. It's like a Charlie Brown's parents sort of thing, right? Uh, not in season three, uh, but for season one, yes, and season two, yes, but we had one live-action human episode. And now in season three, the whole human storyline is live-action, these live-action bumpers before each episode. So the, the show is always kind of evolving and always uh, – is a that that's fun for us too is like keeping it kind of alive that way one of the things you've done in the casting that i thought was really interesting too is having people who frequently work together and and often uh writing partners or, or couples on episodes um together uh so you had uh jake and amir jake Horowitz and amir uh, blumenfeld who worked together frequently on several episodes together, John Early and Kate Berlant, who worked together frequently on episodes uh, together. H how did you think about those pairings? Were, were those driven by you talking to people and them saying, I, I really want to work with my person I usually work with? Or were you going after these people knowing that they, 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 they typically are writing partners and thinking that that, that would do interesting things on the improv side? Yeah, everyone we go to on the show who does a voice is because directly we're fans of mm -hmm. them. Um, so a lot of our casting stems from being fans of people, whether it's in the comedy world, whether it's uh, the music world, whether it's, you know, acting or anything else. We really try to have an eclectic mix come in that you can't really find anywhere else. And I think a lot of those pairings like that, we're we're just such fans of those people that, I think one of the great benefits of getting to make our show is having a platform to, um, you know, bolster people who, you know, don't need it, but are, are uh, you know, we think are just so funny and getting to bring them into the animal's world. And it's a fun thing for us to go, oh, God, you know, uh, uh, Kate and John would be great as these two sort of fashionista rat characters that we had sort of written as an aside and then it was like oh let's let's actually you know do do more of that and give them a little thread and then we actually do another thing with them and Jacqueline Novak in our second season where they're owls and you know it just gives it a it, it I think focuses the scenes for us and what we're going after we had one in our first season with uh the Wayans brothers that was one I think one of our crowning achievements is reuniting them uh Sean and Marlon and um uh, John Witherspoon, uh, who played their dad on their sitcom. And, you know, th those type of things really just stem from we're fans of pop culture and we're fans of comedy. And we love to, to you know, give people who are watching the show kind of a little buzz from, from getting to see those sparks fly in a, in a, you know, sort of funny, surreal context where they're playing animals. You've had a lot of UCB theater and Groundlings type people who are very accustomed to this approach. How how has that worked when you've had 
I guess it would depend on the, the person, but somebody like Michael Sheen, who I've seen very, very funny um, before. He was in the, uh, what's the tennis, uh, the, the, the HBO special where he played like the tennis commentator that was extremely, extremely funny. But I know him mostly as a dramatic actor. When, when somebody comes in like that, do they, do they know how to improvise dialogue? Are they comfortable in that, in that meter? Yeah, I think, you know, Mike and I, we, uh, the outlines tend to vary. I think more so nowadays we write a bit more, um, but we, we've done, we've had like something like 220 guests, right? Is that the number? 250. 250 wow. guests. So we, we've done a lot of these sessions and Mike and I are in the room like the actual recording room with people. We have a big recording booth that we do this in. So we know, you know, we know if it's, if someone's out of their comfort zone in a bad way and that we might maybe should veer back onto script a little bit more, or we, that, I'm not saying Michael Sheen was that at all. He was amazing. Um, or we know if, you know, things aren't flying right. We, we just, we know how to get what we want and how to make people feel confident giving us what um, they want. And luckily we were able to cast in, in a way that um, feels like it's not overreaching. Again, you know, we don't want people to not be too outside of themselves. I mean, I guess Michael Sheen was pretty wacky, but also, you know, I, I think we set it up where there's a nice safety net and people can have a, have a good time. And also a lot of those like more serious dramatic actors that we've had on the show, we find are just so excited to get to let loose and do something silly and funny and, and get to, uh, you know, really improvise once we get going with the bumpers off a little bit, um, you know, and the ones that really get cooking and I think I think word has kind of gotten out about that, you know, over the seasons is that, uh, you know, our, our show is a place for for these great actors to really come and just be the silliest versions of themselves. You've been doing 10 episode seasons and this is the third season you're on now. Is this a year around project for for both of you? Is this something that takes you basically all year to do from beginning to end and by, by the time you get to the end of the year it's it's time to start over uh yeah it's been yeah i think our production schedule is roughly 10 months um so it's been this cool like it's almost like we're in college again or something where you have this especially mike and i are very involved in the show from start to finish so we both get to exercise these different sort of creative muscles where we're writing, then it's kind of, uh, you know, directing, which is storyboarding. And then it's a little bit more creative of, you know, Mike goes off into the edit room and brings the show to life. And I go off into the art direction world and brings the show to life in these two different ways. Um, and then we, come together at the end for the final finessing of it. So it's, it's a cool process that it's this tiered kind of thing. So throughout those 10 months, we get these little check marks of like, okay, episode one's done. Okay. Episode two's done. 
throughout it that's uh that's that's really fun and oh and acting too you know that that whole chunk of going through uh just being silly with all these fun people is super fun i know the animation technology has i've been reading some in the last couple of years about how much the animation technology is changing and how fast uh, uh animators are, are being able to develop you know techniques to m manipulate different kinds of f facial characteristics and those sorts of things are those happening mostly at the sort of pixar end of the scale or are you noticing even on the type of animation that you're doing there's been a lot of changes in the tools that are available to you since you started i think um you can't really but no i don't i i don't think so necessarily but i know a lot of those programs like uh, adobe character animator and all that sort of stuff that's really cool that's really exciting i don't think i i'm sure that's maybe on kind of kids shows and stuff like that i bet you those things those pipelines are starting to involve that where you know, you use your camera on your computer and you just talk out the lines and you kind of sync it up. Um, I bet you that in five years or so, that sort of thing will be a little bit more involved. But again, we don't have lip sync on our show, so we don't really use that kind of stuff. But, you know, we use Tune Boom, uh, Harmony to animate stuff. And I think that's pretty tried and true and can't get much faster than the way we're doing it. Yeah, with the characters' mouths not moving and, and you're not having to do a, a, a true sync, how have you done the show for, for international markets? Have you have you dubbed, I mean, have you directed the dubbing of any of the other languages? No. That'd be cool. <laughs> I, did, I did, the first episode airing, I did turn on uh, HBO Spanish by accident, and I saw that we were live airing, and it was really cool. It was really pretty awesome. My Spanish voice is much sexier. Oh, how did that work? I mean, they just turned, I don't even know, I've never talked to anybody about that process. It's just turned over to like a, like a Spanish language casting person who just rounds up six people to read it. I guess so. I This is all in the HBO's hands at this point, um, but I guess so. I guess they probably, have they probably have stuff in house somewhere that they are able to crank or a partnership in each one of these sort of countries where they're able to crank out stuff you're in a different place with hbo that's similar to the the, the kind of place you would be with maybe netflix or amazon originals where you're in a big catalog of a lot of stuff and and maybe not getting the the press availabilities and and promotional that that you would get if the show were were on you know, say Adult Swim or, or IFC or, or, you know, something that that it would be very compatible, the show would be very compatible with were it on those networks. But what you pick up on the other side is the sort of algorithmic discovery, uh, you know, that, that platforms like that uh, are able to deliver. What have you seen as far as how audiences are finding the show? Are they finding it on HBO Go? Are they finding it on socials? Where Where, where is it coming to people? Yeah, uh, you know, I, these days it's for every which way, you know, it's it's hard to know exactly the direct link from things, but we do know that 
uh, online, you know, obviously gives gives the show a, a presence um, and people find it through that. We've had pretty good word of mouth, which is always exciting. And usually my favorite shows are those kind of things. Um, but, you know, we have billboards, we have, um, you know, ads here and there. And I think to some extent, traditional, um, you know, advertising does work. It puts it out in your face that, oh, hey, this is existing and this is back, this is new. So, you know, I'm sure that plays a part as well. But I don't know from, from you know, we, we know that uh, a, a lot of people watch it on HBO Go which is a great asset. We're 1130s on Friday night. So, you know, it's not a prime time slot, but at the same time, that's, I, I, we really like that slot because it's a, uh, you know, it feels sort of like the Friday night little party slot. So we, we get uh, good numbers there that are increasing each week, I will add. And, um, you know, it's all, it's, it's every which way these days. Uh, do you want to work in the, the, the animals and the A story, B story structure for, for a while going forward? Or are there, there things you've been thinking about that you want to do different with it? Uh, I think going forward with animals, I think it's always, yeah, like I said before, we're always kind of like changing up seasons and changing up structure like 20 to 30%, like this season three doesn't really even have the B story, C story uh, sketches in them anymore, which has been actually really freeing. And we, we think it's some of our best episodes because it's just this, you could tell more robust A story with supporting characters in it and all that sort of stuff, which is a lot of fun. And uh, having our human based uh, uh, serialized, storyline at the beginning with these little live action bumpers also is like super freeing you know it, it feels like we can um sort of compartmentalize things a little bit more season four and beyond uh who knows you know maybe we'll do we'll mix it up again maybe we'll do uh, a whole live action tv show who knows you know uh, Netflix has shown a, a, a receptiveness with the the stand up series they're doing in quarter hour, and uh, with the Vox Explained series that generally runs fifteen uh, uh, fifteen or sixteen minutes. I, I think HBO had a series in development with John Stewart that was going to be some sort of a of a short form. Uh, delivery right. online. Is that something you've talked about doing? I, I would think that the show would be very conducive to six minute, 15 minute, you know, shorter versions of the versions you've got to present it in a, in a, in a different way for digital than, than the way it's airing on, on, on linear HBO. Is that something you've talked about? No, that's mm. funny though. That's funny to think about because it was always like, like quarter hour. That's just, it was just Adult Swim. So like kind of even thinking in that realm was like, you're just limiting yourself to that. But that's, that's a good point. Those 15 minute things are, uh, they seem to be doing that more, but um, no, we've never really wrapped our heads around it. That's, that's funny. It was fun. One of the first things we did, we did a bunch of these little shorts. Then we did a quarter hour pilot. Now that it's a fun time frame. To work in for sure i don't know if i would ever go back to that though that's a good question for animals or just yeah. for anything like can you think about writing in a quarter hour 
Yeah, I think it offers the different, you know, the different time slots. It almost doesn't matter in a way because you sort of you you then fit what you're making to that, and it kind of informs it. Phil and I are actually working on a little, um, just kind of like a fun something that started as a fun side thing that we were just going to do ourselves, and now who knows? It's growing into something possibly bigger but um we can't seem to not production wise something on our own i know we we uh yeah so so anyway but this this idea if uh you know all goes according to plan is a a short form uh thing where the episodes are as short as like a minute long and really thinking of you know trying to limit ourselves to okay making episodes of a very simple premise that are a minute long and then telling an arc with those episodes very subtly over, you know, 12 episodes or so. That's, that's just a recent example of something where we've, we've gotten very excited by the idea of playing with unconventional form and what that offers. And I think it offers a lot. I think yeah, it, it's cool. It's really fun. It's, it's, uh... I think the style would be very conducive to audio also. And I, you know, I've been listening to more uh, scripted audio lately and the way you produce the show, I mean, it basically is audio first. It has to, you know, it has to work like all animation. Yeah. It has to work as audio. And then you, you know, you bring the, the animation in, uh, on top of that, have you? I mean, have you had any thoughts about other forms? Do, you know, doing a a live action film or or, or doing a, a, a traditional uh, half hour comedy or, or you know other other projects besides animals? Because this is pretty much what the two of you have been doing for the last three years, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's and again, it's just that full year schedule. But yeah, we got our fingers in all the other little pots and uh it's funny the scripted audio stuff because just think it when we started our show that wasn't even a thing really and uh you know just seeing that coming into fruition we always say once mike finishes those uh the radio plays for this like what a relief it would be to just finish there and how cool that would be to have that just as an audio so who knows? Even even doing something in that realm, you know, Audible seems to have a shit ton of money. So something in that world could be fun too. But yeah, we're, we we come from live action. We're we're thinking of live action uh, features. You know, luckily now we 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 are kind of in the first moment where we have a lot of time on our hands to to figure out some other stuff. So we're we're doing a bunch of things. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me. This has been uh, a, f- a fun series, and a, it's been a welcome diversion to, to watch these characters have their own uh, their own uh, issues and their their own things going on in their world that, that don't involve Donald Trump. It's been a it's been a nice step yeah. away, not been a nice step away from that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we just try to we try to make a a sweet show that imbues qualities that we feel like is uh missing maybe in in the world right now so a lot of especially in season three when we were writing it's like a lot of like let's just reward good guys and reward empathy and reward all that sort of stuff so it's i'm glad that it's offered a respite for you pigeons and squirrels and horses they all have their own things they all they all have their own struggles they got their own struggles, man. They're <laughs> ass out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Well, I really appreciate you talking to me, and uh, good luck on the rest of Season 3. Right on. Thanks, Thanks so much. Appreciate uh-huh. it.